Welcome to the OA Serenity Sunday Meeting Podcast. Visit the Los Angeles Intergroup at oalaig.org for information on how to join our meeting live and how to donate to support this meeting and our podcasts. The opinions expressed on the Serenity Sunday Podcast are those of the individual speakers and do not represent OA as a whole. And now our speaker. Hi, everyone. Sefi Compulsive Overeater. Um, Hello. It's so interesting to be here and listen to all of the chit-chat. Hey, Bobby. I mean, we've all known each other for so many years, decades. I mean, we're kind of like banter, like family. Better than family, quite frankly, because the banter um, is in a language that we came to appreciate, not in a language that, we, you know, we just kind of naturally learned. I have um, been, all of you have heard my story. I'm just exhausted from telling my story. So um, I've been abstinent since 1987, um, February 1st, 1987. I think I have 35 years. Yeah, that makes it 35 years. And um, it's a journey that just does not stop. And I'm so grateful that it doesn't stop. Um, And I'll tell you why. I turned 60 and everyone kind of makes you, treats you like you're you're ready for being put out to pasture. And in OA and, you know, in 12 steps, you're never put out to pasture. Every day is a new opportunity. I heard somebody say, this is the program of uncommon wisdom. And it so is. I mean, it's not common wisdom. It's not nothing about it makes any sense. Um, Last night, I watched Bill W, a biography of Bill W on on, um, Prime, Amazon Prime. And it was amazing. I wanted to cry. Mm, You know, not only did I want to cry because you see you see pictures of all these people that I have, you know, whose names I have heard for over, I mean, ever over and over again. Of course, I've seen pictures of Bill and Bob, but I hadn't seen pictures of Louis, Louis, Silky. You know, you get to see these pictures. Um, but the part that stays with me, of course, it was about alcohol, was that before Bill came along, the solutions were to put alcoholics in mental institutions and give them lobotomies or shock treatment, and um, which now we look back on and it was inhumane before AA. And before OA, um, I don't know what, what a parallel would be, but I know that I personally, and I was only, maybe 50 pounds, my top weight was 50 pounds more than now, and maybe 20 pounds less than now. But I certainly tried fat farms, um, fasting, meditate, not meditation, uh, hypnosis, therapy, shots. I don't think I ever considered surgery 
then, quite frankly, they wouldn't have given it to me, but I certainly considered suicide. And the only reason why I didn't do it is because I'm an only child. And just the thought of what that would do to my mom and dad, um, I couldn't, I just couldn't. Whatever, however miserable I was, I could not do that as an only child to my parents. Um, it's just remarkable what the path, the recovery, the, solu uh, the solution was before this program and the solution is with this program, um, which is a normal life, uh, more than a normal life. I don't think any of my normie friends who don't have a, an issue well, I don't know how they feel, you know, that I'm not going to make a gross exaggeration. Never mind. But I know that with this solution, um, the best I could think of before OA, the best I could dream of was to be skinny. And then, you know, all the accolades would come and you know, the job, the, the guy, the wealth, everything would come off only I was skinny. Um, with the program, I got all of them, but I got something that I didn't even know to pray for, which was quiet, moments of my head being quiet. Not too many moments, you know, I'm, I'm definitely wound up super duper tight. Um, and 35 years later, um, I'm still super duper, you know, and I may go to my grave being E, but the moments of calm and joy are just things that I didn't know I could experience. The other day, yesterday, um, I was sitting on my sofa. I had my hand on my favorite cat. I was drinking decaf coffee and I was watching the first um, season of Game of Thrones again. And it just, the thought came to me, oh my God, for who I am? This is freaking bliss, purring cat, decaf coffee, my favorite show, and I'm not stuffing my face. Who knew this could be joy? Not stuffing my face on a Saturday afternoon is a freaking miracle. Um, but just like the big book said, just like the part that Miranda just read, the disease is cunning, baffling, and powerful. This week, I did two things that I've done every time I've done them in the past. Um, they don't work out for me. I have very bad adverse reactions. And again, this week I did them. Forgot, just plain friggin' forgot. One was to, one day on Monday, I didn't have regular coffee. I woke up and I had a Turkish coffee. I've proven to myself 1700 times if I have Turkish coffee, even at 7 a.m. in the morning, I can't sleep. This Monday was no different. I was in a meeting with my boss. I literally had to hold my hand over my mouth to stop talking because I was so caffeinated. What does, what does that mean to me as a compulsive overeater? The following day, I was so tired and hungover that I just ate more because the, what I do with fatigue is I eat more. I don't sleep more. What I do with fatigue still is I eat more. I just eat more abstinent food. 
So that's number one, no calories. I mean, well, calories above the following day, but coffee forgot just the memory is gone. How many times have I done this experience? The second thing is um, I had the other day, three bites of sugar-free frozen yogurt, which for any of you who know me, I've, you know, I've talked about sugar-free frozen yogurt for all 35 years, but we've gone down from a pint a day to me having two or three bites every three months. The three bites experiment was as successful as it had been three months prior to that, which was within an hour of three bites of with chemicals. I got such a throbbing headache. I had to have two Advils every four hours. So what God has done for me, which I is absolutely, I could not do for myself. He's made my body physically allergic to chemicals, to more and more things. And considering my abstinence was no refined sugar, that's the only thing it's ever been. And the solution was chemicals. I'm not going to break my abstinence to have the frozen yogurt. So God has absolutely done for me uh, in the way of my body in the reaction being painful, headache, itching. I had three, four years of severe itching. And, you know, everyone said, this is age, deal with it. And I'm like, I don't think so. I'm not going to live the rest of my life afraid to take a shower. And finally, doctors made me just kind of stop all of the chemicals that I ate. And I just can have stuff with stevia. This is God. This is God. My for my body to physically itch or for me to get a throbbing headache or to do something that is so much more painful than I want to be thin or I shouldn't or that that's God. I didn't see it coming, uh, but I'm thankful. Um, today I spend a lot more time on my. Uh, program than I did 35 years ago. A lot more time. The road gets narrower is something I heard when I first got here. When I got here, I thought the road gets narrower means you have to eat less. And to some extent, I do not because I will myself to, but because naturally, just as I said, if I eat the way I did 35 years ago in abstinence, I'll just keel over and die. So the road has gotten narrower in what I naturally crave. But the bigger thing that the road gets narrower with time is I can sit a lot less time with discomfort. Um, if I've hurt somebody, I don't even argue three days on, do I owe a, an, an amends or not, a 10th step? If, I mean, I just call them. If I can't call them, it's always at work. If I can't call them, I immediately, oh no, sometimes I recently heard a sponsor. If I can't call them, um, I text them. I can't even sit with it. The road gets narrower because you know what you have to do and your ability to sit with bad behavior gets um, a lot less. 
Um, Chuck C, you've all heard me talk about Chuck C. It's just his book is so phenomenal. One of the things I've been practicing, he said, you know, he wrote, the, the book was written when he was talking, he was giving a speech of 29 years. And he said, even then, when he did something that was poor behavior, he would go to his closet and get on his knees and say, dad, ain't it bad that I still have to do that? She was um, awful pretty. I'm sorry I had to behave that way. Uh, I wanted to impress her. And now I just say, God, I'm sorry I still have to behave that way. Um, I want to do better. I work in a profession that actually has a lot to do with our company's a big global talent management firm. And we do a lot of coaching for, you know, we place a lot of CEOs and CFOs and C-level suite, C-suite level people, but we also coach, we have a, a tremendous amount of business in coaching executives for success. And all of the principles that we teach and charge hundreds of thousands of dollars for teaching companies on how to conduct themselves at work as a manager, director, VP, blah, 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 to a one, come back to 12 steps be of service, um, have integrity. Uh, it's important, it's more important to listen than to talk. Um, a leader apologizes when they're wrong. I mean, just, we get the most phenomenal training for success for free, for free. Um, I do love this program above everything else. I recently had a uh, my annual um, performance review with my boss. And for the first time, he gave me a suggestion for improvement. And the suggestion was for improvement was that I need to write less angry emails. And I told him about the restraint of pen and tongue. He knows about the 12 steps and I share everything with him. And I said, good God, I can't believe I'm still struggling with this. And um, I am still struggling with this. So then he said, you know, I know it always comes from the right place. It always comes from trying to protect the firm, but you know, you, what you're, what you write can hurt people's feelings and it can be forwarded. And I realized, yep. Yeah, I'm still, I, you know, here's a character defect. I may go to my grave suffering from this. I may go to my grave. Um, I mean, it's certainly a lot less, certainly a lot less, but the utter removal of it is dependent, you know, that's God's job. And I've got to live with the consequences of what my character defect has, um, leads to rather. And I don't like it but I am fundamentally different than my fellows. I am fundamentally different than all of my peers. Um, and I have to accept that and it might have a price. And um, it's been hard, that one has been hard that I'm still struggling for, with that. Um, even though it's a lot less, even though at the same time, everybody says that I'm the person who is the most welcoming and encouraging and, um, loving to new people who come in the firm. The other part of me is also that, um, you know, I'm a compulsive reader through and through. There's a reason the big book says, right, page 66 says, um, love and tolerance and patience. You know, it's, they're, they're foreign. Patience is, 
Thank five you. Minutes. Patience is foreign. No matter how hard I work, it's a four-letter word for me. The other day, I was walking past a cop car, and apparently, they had an emergency. And um, right, right when I was, no, I wasn't quite walking across it. I was wearing a long yet. Um, and they turned on the siren. And without realizing, I flipped off the car, the, the cops. So my serenity, hopefully, maybe, you know, 50 years sobriety, abstinence, rather, I will not be able to react. Um, don't know. But I do know that that same big book that I cherish in the, one of the, in the vision for you, says very specifically, um, everything that is possible for us is possible for you. So if there are people who have managed to levitate spiritual, not levitate, I mean, I'm joking, but people who are spiritually fit all the time and don't lose their temper, it's possible for me as well. It says the age of miracles is with us. Um, I take that very literally, not metaphorically. A lot of miracles have happened already that by any stretch of conventional wisdom should not have happened in my life by any stretch. And the part that I really love, it says um, the best years of your life are ahead of you. And I've said this in every meeting since all of a sudden I caught on to this. It doesn't say the best years of your life are ahead of you when you joined this program in your 20s, like I did. It means the best years of your life are ahead of you now, Seppi, at 60. So 61 can be more delicious. 62 can be even more delicious. Blah, 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 blah. Um, so this is the one place that I get hope, but not woo-woo hope. Hope based on evidence of everything I witnessed in all of your lives and all the stories you share. And then it helps me look at my stuff and I say, yeah, what were the chances of that actually happening? Boom. Yet in the program, you know, all sorts of phenomenal stuff happens. Um, I love this program more and more with every passing year. Um, I'm so eternally for, for, Zoom that allowed us to continue and not all fall into um, solitude and um, I don't know, 500 pounds weight gain or weight loss, whatever your disease might be. Uh, we're so phenomenally blessed that we have a solution other than whatever it was that, you know, the analogous one for alcoholics, uh, for compulsive overeaters in 1935. Don't know what it was, but I'm so freaking grateful that I had a solution. Thank you very much for letting me be of service.